0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: I think I would have to go with that original story of my dad and say diversification. It's what I push now to multifamily owners if I have a single family portfolio
0: listing. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure. Free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name. Episode 565 titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for, or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free and Then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. With us today, Mark Allen. How are you doing, Mark?
1: Hey, Joe. Doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Nice to have you on the show, my friend. We have talked one other time before this. Mark is a broker at Sperry Van Ness Investment Sales Group. He's also a real estate investor. He's done single families, he's done wholesaling, he's done flips, he's working on some joint venture opportunities, and he is also representing sellers through Sperry Van Ness Investment Sales Group. He began in real estate in 2009 as a cadet of West Point, United States Military Academy, where my brother went as well. He focuses on single-family rental portfolios around the country and multifamily 50-plus units, and he is based in Dallas, Texas. With that being said, Mark, you want to give the best-ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus?
1: Yeah, sure. seems like you have a lot of best-ever guests from Dallas. I just just kind of (laughs) noticed that, and I guess it's because you're from Dallas.
0: Perhaps, yes. The pool is definitely more in the Dallas and also California. Got most of the listeners actually are in the majority of any one state is California for listeners, which surprised me a little bit, but I guess there's just a bunch of California people out there.
1: My family was in real estate. My dad was a single family real estate developer and I grew up in Orlando and he still does this, but he's slowed down. And I think the reason because of that is he put all his eggs in one basket in 2003 through 2006. And he was building and developing spec homes. And market obviously fell off. And so he does a couple of homes a year. But anyways, I had that background in development and construction. His parents were both real estate agents and brokers. And they had a small brokerage in my little town, south of Orlando in St. Cloud. So while I was in school and college, I acquired my first rental property with a $35,000 Career start alone loan at half a percent interest, and that was kind of my first taste of real estate investing. And since then, I have grown my portfolio while traveling to different duty stations in the Army and sold some of that portfolio, both with owner financing and traditionally, and used some of that equity to flip homes in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex after I got out of the military. During that time, I was doing all of this part-time as a military professional and software sales rep and have recently decided to jump full-time in real estate, both investing and the brokerage business, and that's where I am today, in commercial multifamily and single-family portfolios.
0: All right. You got a loan, the $35,000 starter loan at half a percent interest. Is that something that West Point graduates are offered?
1: Yeah, all the academy graduates get a career start loan junior year, and my dad pretty much pushed me into real estate. He said, "You're going to take that and invest in real estate," and I'm really thankful because it's kind of set my path forward. Mm-hmm.
0: What'd you buy with that thirty-five thousand dollar loan? It was a two bed, two
1: bath condo in two thousand nine. The market had just crashed. Similar condos were selling for a hundred k to one hundred twenty k, and I bought it for twenty k. Wow. So since then, yeah, it's worth about 60,000. I still have that property. I still hold that. And it's worth about 60k now. I put maybe 4k into it and it rents for 770 a month to a Section 8 tenant. Mhm.
0: What were your colleagues doing with that $35,000? I guess everyone was doing a little
1: bit of everything. Some were throwing it on black in Vegas. and <laughs> Some were buying brand new Chevy Corvettes. And some were investing. It was a good time to invest. So the smart ones, either put it in real estate or put it in the stock market.
0: All right. You got that first deal. And then you have been doing a smattering of different stuff. You mentioned you sold some of your portfolio with owner financing. Why did you do owner financing?
1: Because I wanted to still reap the benefits of cash flow. That was kind of the whole reason I got into real estate in the beginning was to have some mailbox money coming in each month. Most of the properties were in the Colleen Fort Hood area, and it's not your traditional market. It's got average rent and sales appreciation at maybe one to 3% annually. So I just thought it made sense for me to sell with owner financing and still have some mailbox money coming in.
0: Mm -hmm. What'd you sell and what were the terms?
1: Well, there was a couple of different properties. So I'll just go with the most recent. And it was actually a deferred seller financing. It's like a rent to own, which is Mm kind of difficult in Texas. And you have to find an attorney that's well-versed and knows what he's doing. I think it also takes a little bit of trust with the attorney and the investor as well. So what I did was I still had an underlying mortgage on this property. The home was maybe worth 160k on the retail market. I was able to sell for 170 on a rent to own contract. So they put down a small deposit. It was 3% of the down payment of 170k and I still charged them rent. The rent is thirteen hundred, but they pay seventeen hundred dollars per month, and that additional four hundred dollars a month goes right into my pocket. Mm-hmm. And the agreement was a twenty k down payment. So once it accrues the twenty k, the deed of trust transfers to the renters or then buyers name, and it turns into a owner finance situation where they continue to pay me. I structured the loan at six and a half percent interest mm-hmm. at one hundred seventy k. So their payment pays down the underlying mortgage, and then it puts a little money in my pocket. So I think they'll end up paying 1406 per month. The mortgage is like 1065 on that property, so nearly
0: $350 of cash flow. Did you do 30-year term with them? Yeah, I did do a 30-year
1: term. I know some people are big on three-year arm or a five-year bubble or something like that, but I just did a 30-year term.
0: Because mm-hmm, cash flow is the play you're going for right now, and... It gives you cash flow for 30 years. You didn't necessarily need the chunk of money up front, right?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Interesting. And how did you find those rent-to-own individuals?
1: I marketed via Zillow. I would just put an ad on Zillow. I'd actually put an ad on Craigslist as well. But I think most of my prospects came from Zillow. And I would just highlight in the summary that rent-to-own, bad credit is okay. And uh, I had quite a few people that were interested in learning about rent-to-own, what it has to offer them, and uh, how they could become homeowners. Hmm. And in all those situations, the homeowners were extremely thankful.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They had
1: something happen in their credit history at one point, And otherwise, most of them, they had families of two, three, four kids, and they wanted to be homeowners. So that kind of helped them achieve their dreams.
0: Hmm. What attorney did you use to structure that in Texas? Scott Horn,
1: Horn & Associates, he's out of Garland, Texas, and he's a very busy man. I ran into him the other night, but he's one of the guys that's well-known in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, or Texas for that matter, that is known for these creative type of transactions.
0: All right, so now let's transition a little bit with Sperry Van Ness. What's your focus right now? You got anything in the pipeline?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have some on- and off-market deals, both in Texas and Oklahoma. We're licensed in Oklahoma, but we can use the SVM platform to get listings really all over the country. So there's been a big push. I'm going to say 75% of our business is multifamily, and the other 25% is a single-family portfolio. And single-family portfolios have been an emerging asset class. Traditionally in the past, there's a lot of commercial investment institutional groups They buy office space, they buy multifamily, they buy retail. Well, now, since the market crashed, you have a bunch of groups, private equity, hedge funds, REITs, that are now buying homes in the droves. And as cap rates continue to compress in commercial sectors, single-family portfolios have become quite attractive because now that they're not based on comparable sales, they're valued on the net operating income.
0: Got it. How many do you need in order to have a bulk sale or bring in portfolio? You could have two.
1: We have a new agent that just listed four in Garland, but we have everything right now from four to 475 in Chicago. Hmm.
0: And why would someone who has four sell it in bulk? let me talk a little bit about with single family portfolios
1: or wrapping properties into a portfolio, you have multiple exit strategies as it provides a hedge on the market. If you're in an up market or down market. So when residential values are higher, the owner can exit on an individual sales basis. If home values decrease, rental homes maintain their value with the rental income. And if you really want to owners can sell their property with seller financing as well. But Homes are spread over a larger area, which spreads the risk of the value swings in any submarket, which I think is one advantage. They can be sold in parts. So if you own 20 homes, you don't have to sell the whole portfolio. You can sell 10 homes and still leaving you with some cash flow. In the same respect, you can refinance portfolios and sections. So again, if you had a portfolio of 20, you could refinance in 10. But kind of back to your question. So there's discounts with closing costs and brokerage fees typically reduced. If you sell on the MLS, you're going to sell typically the 6%, 3% buy, 3% sell. Depending on the size, we adjust the brokerage fees. If you sell in bulk, you have the ability to 1031 exchange into something bigger. So if you try to 1031 exchange each home, managing that many transactions will probably kill you. But if you exit this portfolio, it's much easier to exchange. So you can think about how much you're going to save in capital gains taxes and depreciation recapture. If you think about friction costs, preparing a home for sale in the retail market is going to require you to wait for the tenants to move out and become vacant. And you have to go through repaint, replace carpet, flooring, et cetera. So you may have one to three months with no cash flow. And then you're still responsible for the taxes, the insurance, the mortgage costs. So yeah, friction costs are typically 10 to 18% of an investor's sale on an investment home. So yeah, I think with some of the discounts and some of the economies of scale, you're getting discounts with bulk, the 1031 exchange option, and then the friction costs, I think those are the three primary reasons.
0: And friction costs are closing costs, right? Yeah, friction costs are
1: just the cost the homeowner goes through to prepare the home to sell on the retail market.
0: I never thought of the 1031 exchange angle. That makes a lot of sense. I have three homes and the rest are apartments and they're all in Dallas, Fort Worth, and The values of them have at least doubled since I bought them because I bought them in 2009 and 2010 and 2011, I think. And I was always wondering about that. And I was like, well, I could sell them individually and get a premium for each because I felt like when someone sees a bulk purchase, just like you would buy things in bulk at Costco, you think discount – as a buyer. And then as a seller, you think you're going to have to sell them as a discount because you're selling them in bulk. So that was my reason why I hadn't ever considered selling them as a portfolio.
1: Yeah. Some people think that because it's typically an investor that's going to buy the portfolio. So they think, well, investors are going to try to lowball me, but that's not the case because it's valued on the NOI, the net operating income. So typically, we'll do an individual appraisal, we'll do a Zillow scrape, and we'll see that the portfolio will sell higher depending on kind of if it's in our sweet spot, and I'll talk about the sweet spot, but they'll sell higher as a portfolio rather than individual sales. And that sweet spot I was referring to is typically, I'm going to say your single family homes, I'm going to say 50K to about 175K. So if we come across an investor that has homes that are in the 100 to 200K range, we'll typically leave those in the portfolio, but if it's outside, if they have a home that's worth 315000 and it's getting $1,800 a month in rent, it usually doesn't make sense. So we'll just pick that out and sell on the retail market.
0: Mm-hmm. With the properties, you mentioned that they get valued on the NOI, but even if it's two single-family homes, they're getting valued on the NOI just because you're grouping them together?
1: Right. We can value on the the current financials, which is a more like unsophisticated approach. But we tend to use our financial model that we use to underwrite multifamily for the single family portfolio. So we underwrite them on a pro forma basis, meaning what are the market rents that could be achieved? And that drives our IRR, internal rate of return, and our cap rate.
0: Interesting. And people buy them based on that versus sales comps, even if there are two or three homes in the portfolio?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I think this is why we've been so good at selling these portfolios and we've been able to come into new markets is because we push our traditional multifamily buyers into single family portfolios to diversify their own portfolio. So a lot of our buyers are just high net worth folks that traditionally have invested in multifamily. And it depends, like sometimes, I guess, institutional investment groups, we sell to a lot of institutional investment groups, but they call it their buy box. Their buy box is pretty strict, which is your typical like 1980 plus, three, two plus, and they're looking for a specific gross or net yield.
0: What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh man. I think I would have
1: to go with that original story Of my dad and say diversification. It's what I push now to multifamily owners if I have a single family portfolio listing. So same thing. My dad put all of his eggs into one basket in 2004 through 2006 and ended up getting pretty much caught with his pants down with several loans on the books. So that was a lesson that I learned from him. Luckily, I didn't have to learn from myself.
0: You ready for the best ever lightning round?
1: Yeah, let's go for it.
0: All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you gotta stop the insanity, my friend, and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a US-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to VirtualOfficeVA.com. That's virtualofficeva.com. Best ever book you've read? So books, I think,
1: are like movies. There's too many good ones out there, but I'll go with a recent one I read, Never Eat Alone
0: by Keith Ferrazzi, and it's a book
1: about building relationships, building your brand, your own personal brand, and networking.
0: Best ever personal growth experience. What'd you learn from it? War in Afghanistan. What did I
1: learn? Be proud that you're an American and have the freedom to build businesses, invest in real estate, Marry who you want to marry because those same freedoms aren't afforded in other countries. Practice the fundamentals. I think that's another thing I learned from war: is we trained our butts off prior to deploying. And nothing we faced was similar to our training. But we had the fundamentals down pat, which allowed us to adjust on the fly. And we called them PCCs. I think that would be the third thing. PCCs, PCIs. PCCs are just like due diligence in real estate. Before you set out on a mission, check to make sure you have all your necessary equipment and that it's functioning properly so kind of like due diligence
0: best ever deal you've done
1: I'd probably say the first deal that I did when I got to Dallas I did a lot of direct mail marketing and got a seller that was interested in selling but the numbers didn't work out and the only way I was able to work it out was to take the property subject to the existing mortgage for 118k so I paid the seller 2k took over the mortgage at 118k balance put twelve K into the foundation of the plumbing and sold the home to the tenant six months later for one hundred and seventy five K. So I guess I made nearly fifty thousand dollars with maybe fourteen thousand dollars out of pocket plus closing costs, so let's say sixteen K. Maybe it wasn't the highest net deal, but I like the creative aspect.
0: Oh incredibly creative. How'd you learn to do that as your first deal?
1: Oh man. I'm just one of those guys that just goes head first. I connected with Scott right when I got here and they said, hey, this is the guy for Subject 2. Connected with him and he gave me a couple of instructions, but really I just struggled through it. (laughs) Maybe not the best way, but that's how I did it.
0: And over what period of time from when you acquired it via Subject 2 to when you got your profits of almost $50,000? I think six months.
1: It's kind of funny because the seller didn't have the money to put back into the foundation. The foundation was a mess and didn't have the money to put into plumbing. It was a headache for them. The tenant was a hoarder and they just wanted to be done with it. And I said, well, I'll pay you $2,000 take over the mortgage. And I really didn't know what I was going to do with it. I had a couple exit strategies in mind, but then the tenants were like, hey, we'll buy it. And I was going to sell it to them with owner financing. And sure enough, six months later, they got approved for a loan. So it all worked out and I was able to help the tenants as well.
0: Best ever way you like to give back? I used to host a charity series called
1: Dance for Charity. I just think this was cool. That's why I'll bring it up. But we throw a big event when I was living in Austin, Fort Hood area, bring in a big electronic music DJ and sell tickets and give 100% of the proceeds to a specific charity. So we did one in October and did Save the Tatas for Breast Cancer. Also, I think for the wholesalers, I was thinking about this too. I've created We Buy Homes type t-shirt, you know, with your, your logo and your number and give those out to homeless people. At like major intersections under a bridge, major intersections. So, not only are you giving them the media, you're also getting your business out there.
0: Mm. What is the biggest mistake you've made on a deal? I think
1: it was when I first started getting into flipping, it was like my first real flip here in Dallas. And the thing that I don't like about residential real estate is it's so subjective. And I hated figuring out the value of of homes because of that. So the first flip I ever did backed into, and when I say first flip, like the first conventional loan and acquiring it that way, but it backed to a three lane road. And I knew that one block over the homes would sell for the mid 400s, but they were interior lots, but this home that backed to the busy road ended up selling in the mid 300s, all the comps did. So I said, well, hey, this home's going to sell mid 400 so my numbers were all skewed. I ended up selling the home for the highest price square foot on that road that was back to the busy road. But the $75,000 in profit that I originally thought wasn't going to Mm -hmm. make that, so I dwindled down to. I came out with like $600 Mm -hmm. after all said and done. Mm -hmm. So always check for weird things like busy roads, water towers, power lines, Uh because those things are going to affect the value of the property.
0: What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? They can
1: reach me at my website, which is www.allan-investments.com. If they want to touch base about an opinion of values for multifamily or single family rental portfolios, whether to buy or sell, feel free to reach out mark.allan at scn.com.
0: Lots of interesting insights in our conversation from the creative subject to deal that you did to the pros and perceived cons of selling in bulk for single-family homes, perhaps that piques some curiosity for other best-ever listeners who have some single-family homes and hadn't thought of selling them in bulk before because they thought they'd be selling at a discount. So Thanks so much for being on the show. I hope you have a best-ever day. And thank you for your service, by the way, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend. And go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a U.S.-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com.